Oh, man. What a week it has been. Hi, this is Pete Pomisano, and this is Off-Road, an RLTP podcast. So, as you know, last Sunday, we had a great, great live interview with Sean Cullen right at the theater. There were a lot of people there. It was a lot of fun. People enjoyed it. Sean was so friendly and and told a million stories, so much so that we were there for like an hour, hour and a half, maybe even longer. I don't remember now. But it was, it was wonderful, and everybody enjoyed it. So I get home, and what I do is I record all of this stuff to my MacBook on GarageBand, and I get home, and I listen to it, and it uh, 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 sounds like that. It sounds like a, an LP. Remember LPs, vinyl? Remember that? It sounds like vinyl that's skipping. And I know what it sounds like because I tried to record vinyl and create MP3s out of it at one point. And what I ended up doing was recording it to a computer whose hard drive was too slow. And it, oh, music ate out like this. And it sounded like it was, it sounded like it was a skipping record. But the record wasn't skipping because I was listening to it while it was recording. And I was listening to Sean speak while we were recording. And I could tell that it sounded great. But when I got home, it sounded like crap. So uh, I tried to edit it. I tried to take out all the worst parts of it. I tried to make it sound like it was, it was bad, but I tried to preserve everything that was good about it. And I am not kidding when I tell you I spent four to five hours trying to edit this down to a listenable chunk of interview that we could release on the podcast. It, I had it down to 32 minutes, folks, and it was over an hour and a half long. 32 extremely bad minutes. So what did I do? I sent it off to Scott and I said, what do you think? Can we do anything with this? And Scott said, are you kidding me? Get rid of that. We're going to have to redo the whole podcast, which was fine, except I didn't want to impose on poor Sean Cullen again. The poor guy's already had interviews with Tony and and Jay Moran and, and Donna Hoke. And frankly, I figured he would just say, no, we did it once. We're done. But he's such a sweet guy. When I mentioned to him, he said, yeah, of course, we'd be happy to do it again. So what I did was, this past Friday, Sean and I sat down in the same location at the table that is part of the set for the Antipodes in the theater, and we talked. And we laughed, and it was fun, and once again, he was so charming and affable. So I got finished with it. I said, holy mackerel, I don't really want to even lose any of this. How am I going to edit this? So here's what the decision was. We're going to break it up into two podcasts and release the second one next Monday as a sort of a bonus podcast. And then the week after, we'll be back on our regular schedule, which was every two weeks, with my great interview with editorial cartoonist Adam Ziglis, who was so understanding when I told him I was going to postpone that podcast until February 3rd uh, so I could get this Sean Cullen podcast going. And so there you go. It's going to be two parts. And really, you're going to hear a lot more because this is pretty much everything I wanted you to hear. I didn't have to edit much out of it. As always, I edit out the parts where I sound dumb, as usual, but uh, not as much as I've had in uh, past interviews. Anyway, Sean Cullen, great guy. (laughs) He must be a great guy to sit down with me twice for like three hours total. Can you imagine spending three hours with me? 
It's hard to believe. So Sean Cullen, here he comes. Part one on Off-Road from Road Less Traveled Productions. We'll just we'll acknowledge the fact that there was a screw-up and we're sure. we're doing we're, do, we're doing this. Welcome Sean Cullen to Buffalo. <laughs> totally. You how many interviews have you had? Although this is the only one where we're gonna hear your voice for a long term. Yeah. Uh, you I know you did one with Tony. I read it in the paper. I know yes. you did one with uh, WBFO the uh, uh, Jay Moran. Jay yeah. Moran, yeah. And uh, also with uh, Donna Hoke Donna for Hoke? the Buff for Buffalo, Buffalo Spree. Spree. I read that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you, has she ever asked you? Uh, you uh, I think it? I have, yeah. Uh, I, I think I have. Because uh, I'm world famous in Buffalo. You <laughs> <laughs> Well, so to speak. To be world famous in Buffalo. Yeah. So tell us again why you're here this time. I know, it, was it was it strictly, I know you, the story about you meeting Scott and everything through, yes. through Pete Gurney. Uh, you could tell that again briefly if you wanted to. But uh, you come back to Buffalo mostly for uh, family that's here for Christmas and those sorts right. of things. Because yeah, you live yeah. out in the Catskills. Yeah, my wife and my daughter, uh, our daughter's five. Um and uh, my wife Tess and daughter Clara, we usually come at least once a year. And the last couple of years, we've been coming during Christmas. And uh, and Tess and I have been together since 2008. So I remember I took one of my vacations from uh, South Pacific for a week uh, to come up. We rented a house actually on the lake. It rained <laughs> every single day. Of course it did. We, we, we took the throughway up, I remember, and it was sunny. And there was a great black cloud mass ahead of us, west. And you looked at it and you said, "Uh uh-oh. And that was the last (laughs) time we saw the sun until we headed, uh, you know, not that it's always so uh, bright and sunny uh, where we live, but... uh, yeah, but we went to Niagara Falls and we did that. You know, I wanted her to meet the family. I wanted her. We, we rented a house on the lake, which was. Did you stay out in the Hamburg area in the yes, South Towns? Yes, on in on the so, lake shore. So not as much into Buffalo necessarily, that you know, but but in the in the area. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because when my daughter comes up, they live in Atlanta and granddaughters. All I can think about is. I hope the weather is okay that week. I just hope. Oh, and I'm yeah. looking at the weather, the long-range forecast, forecast months in advance, you know? Yes. And it, it, it never fails, although, you know, we've we've been very lucky. But but Oh, yeah, the know. weather, this, uh, you know, it was cold the first week or two I was here. I bought a, and it's a, cold tr- as hell a trove now. of sweaters. Yeah, it's 18. It was 18 <laughs> outside the car uh, driving up today. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so this one, you you met Scott through uh, Pete Gurney? Through, yeah, through Mr. Gurney. I introduced myself at a party in New York, and uh, Mr. Gurney came to a play of mine uh, that I'd written uh, that was about Buffalo that I'd told him about, he and his wife Molly, and then they came to the play, and then out of the blue... Uh, I think maybe Scott. That uh, was Safe Home, the, the play yes, that you'd written. Safe Home. It was in 2010. And I don't know if Mr. Gurney got in touch with me or Scott did. I don't know how I got Mr. Gurney's email address. Um, anyway, so that's what happened. And, and uh, Scott read the play, and we met a couple times with John Elston. Then they did the a reading of it. and Did a reading at the old, were they in the arcade? In the old uh, market arcade, yeah. yeah. One of the, one of the <laughs> different, many incarnations of Road Less Traveled. There's been at least three, right? It, well, this is, this is the, see, they were, hmm, this is... They were at that venue, the the Market Arcade, where there were other movie theaters, and then they took over one of the small 
one of the small theaters. Yes. You know, you've seen the, those theaters where they have 10 in a row. And, yes, absolutely. You're probably going to one today. Yeah. So, uh, and then they took over the Forbes Theater, which was in the Christian Center behind Studio Arena. Right. I, I, Scott gave me a tour. Yeah. Oh, it was, it, it must have been gorgeous. I haven't seen it since they oh, remodeled it for yeah. the new stuff. And then from there, they, they found this place uh, through the... Uh, through uh, Mr. Palladino. Yes, uh, yeah, Bill I think Palladino. Scott said, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were, they've been very helpful to them. Yeah. They said, we've got a great place. We, we think it might be perfect. This was the old Baker's Shoes store, believe it or not. It's, it had a marquee out. I remember Baker's Shoes. It was, uh, but it had a built-in marquee. Marquee was there. Oh, my All God. All they had to do was sort of redesign it. And, of course, they came in and thought, we're never going to be able to do theater in here because we need a high ceiling. They walked in and saw these, I don't know what this is, 20-foot th- ceilings here, and they said, yeah, we can hang a light grid. We, we can do this. Oh, yeah. So, so. Yeah, we're sitting in the theater right now. We're sitting at the <laughs> table where the. Where the where the play takes place? Yeah, right? we're the, the sitting at the table, table. of the yeah. Antipodes. Plus, you saw the play, which I think is yeah, I you did know? see the play, and I, so, I, you know what? I I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I don't know, as you know, I've read it, so I was surprised it kept my attention and moved. You know, a lot of the people from that I, you know, I maybe had fifteen, eighteen folks here, counting my family, and they really dug it too. I, I told Scott afterwards, I, I thought it was really well directed. There were a lot of interesting things. Choices that you guys all made were all interesting things. That I, I mean, Cassie's whole bit, I thought, well, that was like off the wall. I mean, I could see it being played just as a mousy little girl. Well, then this happened, and oh, this yeah. happened, and then she took off and played it like she was in the middle of Medea or something. Yes. It was just powerful. And then well, that's it. It was, yeah. it was just, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and as I said, I, I laughed through the whole thing. I didn't know whether I was laughing at my friends uh-huh. and, and the, de- oh, the last choices. Night? Yes, yeah, the huh. choices that they made. Yes. I, it's maybe all of a piece, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if, if, if you were, sometimes people know you and they don't laugh because of that too, that's true. you know? I, I, I sometimes laugh at, at the performers that I know and thinking, Oh, Dave, what a what, what an interesting choice! That, yes, absolutely. What an interesting choice that was, or yeah. or something of that nature. Yeah, because or Adam with that. With the, well, I don't want to give too much away, but Adam with that whole bit that he does, I'm I'm just dying laughing at Adam as much as uh, Brian was was. The uh, Brian's his name, yeah, yeah. So I, anyway, I I enjoyed it thoroughly and, and got a kick out of it. Oh, um, that's good. That's so I'm good. I'm glad you got good. Uh, uh, Good reactions from people last night. Yeah. So uh, just, just to go back and jump back again, because yeah. I'm jumping all over the place here, but I feel like I know you to the point now where we're just shooting the breeze. Yeah. Uh, so you went to you went to Timon. I went to Timon. Was it Timon St. Jude at that point? Yes. No, it wasn't. It was before that. Anyway, so you went to Timon. I went to Timon. Before that, I went to St. Martin's just down the road from uh, there in Abbott Road. Uh, and then I went to St. Bonaventure uh, after that for two years, and then I for journalism. You, for you journalism, and then I, I uh, after two years, I um, I went to Fredonia, uh, Fredonia for a semester and a week, mm-hmm. uh, following a. Did a, you switch to a theater major at that point? I did. I went. I would have been a junior at St. Bonaventure, and I became a freshman acting uh, student. And uh, I had met a woman in Clarence. A woman. She was a girl. We were both twenty. I was twenty. She was maybe nineteen, and she was going to Fredonia, and I really liked her. And I went to Fredonia after her, and I always liked the theater. 
So anyway, so that lasted uh, that lasted a semester, and uh, and I wanted to I wanted to be in the theater anyway, and you know I was trying. Well, you had done things at you had done things at Timon. And, I had, and yeah. you'd done things with Mount Mercy through or Mount that's, Mercy through Timon. That's because right. They, they used to share because Mount Mercy was a girls' school in South Buffalo. But uh, yeah, so we did at Timon. They did the fall musical every year. Which and is the, that's where you first got your feet wet with theater? Yeah. Well, no, actually, I I, I you know at, the first I got my St. Martin's. At St. Martin's, we did a version of Godspell when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. We did a, a, I remember the six or seven of my friends, we we did a, a musical review. I think we sang, uh, we were signing, signing the Declaration of Independence and singing the Beatles 19, <laughs> uh, when I'm 64. <laughs> and before that was the first time I ever produced, uh, was in our basement in the third grade after I'd seen uh, Mary Poppins and we lip synced to the record player. <laughs> You were putting on a show for your folks, for your family, right? For the for the street, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, we had a bunch of kids from uh, we had a bunch of kids from the um, from the neighborhood who were in the who were in the show who were in Covington Drive, and so yeah. So then we did uh, musicals of time and and uh, one a year. We were just doing reviews the cup first couple of years, and then in my junior year, they for the first time, maybe not ever, but in in living memory at that point, that we did South Pacific. So you uh, did South Pacific there. Then you ended up doing it on Broadway. So yeah, I know, I know. It was, you play the same role? No. <laughs> uh, uh, can I thank God? Matt Morrison played the role that I played uh, in, at Timon, but I played Cable in, in high school, and I played uh, Harbison in uh, in, uh, in Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center yeah. And then we did uh, uh, Damn Yankees in, in my senior year with, with Jay Desdario and mm-hmm. Kevin Cusick and other uh, people although i do remember having too much to drink the night before you know not that anyone should be drinking in high school but my voice was no was that gone the next was gone the next night and i remember i didn't have the notes for the last three or four notes of younger than springtime <laughs> or maybe the last two am i and am I, I and i knew i didn't have them so i ended up did you take him down an octave kissing oh. sheila donovan while the band played on <laughs> Oh man, I wish I had thought of things like that. Fortunately, she was playing Liat when I when I kissed her. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And she didn't slap you later or anything. No, no, well, she was very good for you. I don't remember the kiss, but I, she was always she was always very nice. Well, yeah, <laughs> good for you. All right, so from Saint Bonaventure, <laughs> you uh, well, how do you get to the Yale School of Drama from there? Uh, you uh, drive well, you east on seventeen. <laughs> And, I, uh, asked for, at, you know, uh, I asked for that. I set myself up. You went to Bonaventure, then Fredonia. Then how did you get to? No, then I went back to Bonaventure for the last two years. And then oh, I, you did? Yeah, yeah. And then I started to direct. Uh, I did a play in between here at the, the Buffalo Entertainment Theater. That's right. when I did the show. And I also worked uh, with my dad uh, loading trucks, actually, that uh, fall. I was a waiter at, um, Salve, not Salvatore's Italian Gardens. What's the restaurant that was right next door here? Or next door to Shea's. Oh, uh, Lobby's Old Spain? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's now the Smith Theater next to Shea. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's, oh. it's one of their smaller venues, and uh, another group in town, Second Generation, uh, has their Oh, their space? Their oh, that there. would yeah. make a and, nice... and some others. I remember Kato the Kyle's. balcony. Uh, they had a balcony there mm-hmm. in the restaurant. Uh, I also played uh, records on the weekends. I don't know if we even talked about this the last time. No, you didn't. We played records on uh, WZIR. I don't what, in Niagara Falls, it was uh, the the uh, at that time progressive radio station. In the, uh, I had I had uh, known this fellow George Prentice, who was um, who had been the station manager at St. Bonaventure at WSBU, and um, 
and I needed a job, and I'd been doing college radio for at, at Bonaventure, and then when I went to Fredonia, and I thought, oh, I'll put a tape together, because I, th- I thought at that time I was pretty good on the radio, you know, in between the songs, and we I put a, a, a demo together, and I remember at the studio in Fredonia, and George was being very nice, and I brought him the tape, which was, at that point, it was a reel-to-reel tape. Sure. And uh, I met Bob McRae, which was a big thrill for me, because Bob McRae, I, I don't know if you remember. I remember that name, yeah. Bob McRae was on WKBW at the mm-hmm. time. It was just really entertaining. This is WZ... Uh, this is WZIR, Z-I-R so this is in, in 2000. Niagara Falls, did you say that one? Uh, yeah, it was on Grand Island, but yeah. you know, it was WZIR... Buffalo, Niagara Falls, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I met Bob McRae with George there in his office, and so I met him and didn't hear anything, and then uh, three months later, Bob McRae called our home, and he said he came across this tape, which he apparently only heard then for the first time a few months after that, and he really liked the tape, and he said, oh, I'd like to hire you to do uh, mornings on the weekend Wow! at uh, WZIR. And, uh, Weekend mornings on WZIR. We're yeah. talking about roughly what years? That would have been the summer of uh, 19, uh, 1980. Is that right? That's close enough. Yeah, yeah 1980. Just, just and, we get a rough handle on it. And I was also, and I went back to work at that, the restaurant in Clarence, so I remember sometimes I would be working a Friday night shift at the granary and then drive to WZIR and sleep on the production room floor uh, until my shift was it? I don't know. Like six, five or six a.m. Yeah, sure. yeah, something like that. I think I, I think it might have been six to ten or something. And um, it was it was a jazz station. No, it was a progressive, progressive rock? rock station. Progressive yeah. rock, yeah. love it. Which predated uh, yes, alternative Genesis rock. Yes, Genesis and and ELP, uh, Emerson, Lake and. Paul. That's right, <laughs> and and then it was the new wave thing was happening. You know, the punk rock thing was happening too. Yeah. So. Um, and they played a really great mix of music. I remember too one night there was there was a show called Isle of Dog. I haven't thought of some of this stuff in a long time, but uh, which just really, I don't know, it was just like the trippiest music that you could <laughs> back when people were saying trippiest. And they needed somebody to fill in, and they asked me to do it. And I thought, oh, I'll play Broadway shows. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so and I think it went on. And now after Pink Floyd, yeah, but that I think the cast of a chorus line. That's right. And I thought, you know, I don't know what the heck I was thinking, but not that I was so not that I was so into show music, or I mean, even though I'd done musicals, but I don't know. So I, I just remember we did that one. I was into Springsteen. I was into the the Clash. I was into you know all that stuff that was happening then. So you, know. you now let's let's get us to uh, to Yale School. Yeah, so I'd done theater as well at uh, at St. Bonnet adventure and been in plays and then I directed uh, twice and produced uh, three times and uh, so I I had it in my head that I was uh, gonna uh, apply to grad school for directing and I applied to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh and 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 acting and what was not it it was way in the back of your mind or you weren't even considering that you wanted to go right into directing directing I I I, I think I think maybe I I thought that I like being not so much in charge, but I like creating yes. the thing. Yes. And I, I thought maybe it might be more secure in some sense, which you know now I see that it's just oh, as secure as, as acting, or, or not. And uh, so I don't know, somehow more respectable in some way. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> 
but all right, but, but yeah, because so, you had been, I mean, you'd been acting since from a very yeah, young age, yeah. And then you decide, I think I want to be in charge. I think I want to create, and I think I want because right. I, I I fully understand this. I like directing as well mm. because there are times when. Almost every show you're in, you're going, I wouldn't have done it that way. Why is he doing that? Why Why aren't we doing And then you just say to yourself, no, do your, just do your job and shut up. Yes. But yes. every now and then, it's nice to have, to be in, in charge of everything, to make all the decisions to say, yeah. everything in this play has my fingerprints on it in one way or another. Yeah. And then let me go back to just studying my lines for the next play because I... It, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it, and it, it, it occupies your mind. Yeah. It, it consumes you in a way that the acting more often than not doesn't mm -hmm. at least sometimes and, I, and I, I know you and I've talked about this before but you know sometimes with some roles just very occasionally it's that consuming that, you're yes. that you're that uh, you have that kind Obsessed of attachment with, to the part yes, you know yes. uh, and other times it's because you just have no time whatsoever to do it so you're just you're going to you're consumed with it for the two weeks or whatever you have to rehearse because you just you have to learn the lines and you have to somehow make choices in the middle of. Then when you're directing, it's you know you 24 hours a day. You wake up in the middle of the night and you let me jot down something on a piece of paper here. Yeah. It just it just occurred to me what I want to do with those lights or how I've got to remember to tell so and so this. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're, we're jumping all over the place here. But I, so now you're at so Yale, or you try to get into I, Yale I, and a director. I try program. to get into uh, a try uh, audition for. Uh, Carnegie Mellon, or you know, submitted to direct there in Yale, and the second, uh, and that was the first year. And the second year, I went only to Yale to uh, 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 interview for the directing program, and used to uh, have to do um, monologues. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your 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 classical and your contemporary piece, and I had. Uh, before you presented, you'd be in the middle of the, of, the, of the room in the floor doing your monologues, and then you came and sat across the table from them and talked about the plays that you were presenting for you know talk about your concepts and for the for the uh, uh, for the directing program. And I had done the two monologues, and uh, and the, guy, the fellow said his name was Frank. I forget his last name at Yale. He said, you know, before you sit down, uh, have you ever thought about being an actor? And uh, so I took that encouragement. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't get accepted that year, but I took that encouragement, and I came back to New York. I was working in the film production business, and a woman who'd gone to Wesleyan College, who was also in the film production business uh, with me and who loved the theater, I told her that, you know, somebody in New Haven, somebody at Yale had said that, you know, uh, you know. Uh, and at that point, I was looking really for, uh, it was so encouraging to me. It was like, it was very sure encouraging be, to me. Yeah. And, uh and uh, lo and behold, three months later, she called me and uh, she said, if you produce these two plays uh, for me on Nantucket Island, I will uh, put you in them. Mm. So uh, so I went to Nantucket, and that was the summer of 85. Um, and then I came back to New York that fall, and I started going to class, uh, acting classes. And uh, I applied the next year to Yale for uh, that, seven months later, for acting and didn't get in. And then I finally got in and in 1997 uh, on my fourth trial together into the acting program. Wow. All right, so now you get out and you have a, a master's, or are we doing the, the Yeah, yeah, and I, and I have a master's at that point in, yeah. uh, in uh, the spring of 1990. And I'd worked at Yale Rep, I remember that year, uh, three times, which I was fortunate to do. I got my equity card, which not everybody at that time did. You used to have to, now I think you can get a free ride to, 
to all these drama schools, including Yale. And I think you might also get your equity card, maybe not at Yale, but a lot of these MFA programs upon graduation. Were you getting, did you have any, how did you get into TV then? Because you have a, an extensive TV list of credits, including yeah. all of the law and orders that we, we've yeah. talked about before. Did an agent suddenly, or not suddenly, but did an agent, agent take you on? Well, they, they have, a, and they still do. Uh, it's through Yale? Uh, they, they have the, they still call them the league. Uh, I think they, they call them the league showcases, and the, the league was the, the drama league or something, the affiliate, an affiliation of drama school programs mm -hmm. around the country. And we auditioned, uh, you, at that time it was often Juilliard, NYU, and Yale presented, but that was the first year that, that didn't happen. So we went down to the Tisch School, NYU, in the, in the uh, spring of uh, 1990 and, and did, uh, you, you're doing two scenes for agents and producers and whatnot. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I got, uh, I, I ended up signing with somebody, uh, I ended up signing with somebody, an agent in the, the summer of uh, 90, and then I was, remember my first gig was, uh, I did uh, Othello at the Shakespeare Theater in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and uh, I think I did my first television gig in uh, 1994. I got, my, I got my SAG card being the man in the car in an ad for Infinity. Uh, with Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas used to do, uh, Michael Douglas used to do the, uh, and then Leif Schreiber did it after that. He did the, oh no, with Jonathan, Jonathan Price after that. He, he did the voiceovers for the, yes. and, and, uh, and so I got my uh, SAG card being uh, in a commercial that uh, I had. The man in the car. Yeah, which was the principal role. And, and uh, ironically, Ironically, I had auditioned for a smaller part at the commercial, uh, for, in the commercial, like mm -hmm. two or three weeks before. Man on the curb. Man on the curb. <laughs> Man in the delicatessen behind the counter. Man, the car is passing by. Exactly. Okay. And that's how I got my SAG card. And uh, the first TV thing I did that I recall was uh, episodic was I did the pilot for a show called uh, Under Suspicion. The producer was from Buffalo. Uh, the executive producer was from Buffalo complete coincidence they shot in portland oregon i'd auditioned for the shakespeare theater oregon shakes the day before and an agent from seattle called me and said they want to see you in portland for this tv series can you drive up to portland from ashland and that afternoon and this was in 1994 and i remember i had gotten the hotel where i was staying at to print out the sides I don't know how that was possible now. Was the internet happening? And I, um, maybe she faxed them. And uh, I remember I drove about, a th uh, you know, 120 miles an hour up from Ashland to Portland, Oregon, which is quite a drive through a lot of different terrain. And I was memorizing the lines as I was driving up the 5 or the 10 or whatever it is out there. And I ended up getting the role as the lead's uh, boyfriend. And uh, so that was the first uh, that was the first TV thing I did. Now, in uh, film followed that. I, I am sure through one thing or another, your reputation grew. And, and uh, I, I love the Pacino story. I'm not going to make you say it again. Uh, sure. But <laughs> it's, you know what? You know what part I did want to pursue about the Pacino story was how you almost got into The Irishman. Which is, of course. Oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I came. The, the Pacino actually recommended you. To, to yeah, I'd go tell him I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you call uh, call him Lewis. Call so and so. There's a couple some parts in there for you. I had worked with Pacino twice, and uh, you know I'd, I'd worked with him as was in the Buffalo News and Anthony's uh, piece mm -hmm. yesterday. I'd, I'd worked with him on a film called Simone, 
which all turned out to be very, uh, you know, very positive. And then I, I met, I worked again I, uh, in Paterno, in, Paterno yep. in uh, the f August of 2017, I think it was. And, uh, and Pacino remembered me, which was, which was very nice of him. And, uh, and, and we, there was another woman who played his daughter, who I'd done a play with, who played my daughter in a play in New York. So I felt very comfortable sitting at the table. And Pacino was so warm that I felt as comfortable as you can feel you know mm -hmm. you haven't seen Al Pacino in 17 years and now you're playing the guy who's going to tell then he remembers you yeah and he remembered me and and so and he was very warm to everybody at the table it was much different than the way it had started with the previous film Simone that day he was he was very comfortable and um and he was telling stories and uh he uh he said come to my trailer you know come to my trailer before you you leave uh, I, I want to tell you something so he had a story about when he was on Broadway and how he he learned this thing about stage acting that only occurred to him this secret thing that I, I won't uh, don't divulge sworn it. to secrecy okay that's all right uh, and he want to keep uh, the mysticism the, the mysticism of the uh, Pacino, Pacino. Uh, <laughs> mystique, legend I attack guess. yeah <laughs> and uh, so he told so he told me that and uh, and then we were walking to the soundstage uh, as he was talking talking to me and and I was I was saying goodbye to him. He said, you know, listen, uh, listen. There's this thing that uh, Marty wants me to do, and uh, I don't know even know why I'm doing it, but uh, Marty so wants busy. me to do. And uh, so uh, he said there were there were roles in it for me, and I should you know contact the casting director. So mm -hmm. I so I did. I had her email address, in fact, and. Uh, and she very politely told my agent to have me not email directly <laughs> about such things. And that, that Mr. Pacino was sometimes very enthusiastic. Al does and, that all the time. <laughs> it was something like that, as a matter of fact. But you know, what? Yeah. Oh, you got to take advantage of any possible yeah. connection that you can that you can make. Yeah. Um, he's very. He's. You know, obviously, I have very fond memories of him now. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, there are a couple of things that we talked about when when the audience was here before yes. before the major screw up. Yes. Um, that I do want to get into again, which is uh, one of the questions I asked you was, uh, which do you prefer? Is there something about? I was explaining to you that I prefer doing stage work, even though I've done very little TV or or movies, just a little, but. But it's to me, it's the immediacy of the audience reaction, and to sit down and study scripts, and to, to you know to go through the rehearsal process. Whereas, in movies, it's more of a study your lines, now go, act. Yes. And and some people really like that. So, but there's a huge difference between the two styles of acting, the two, the skill sets that are involved. I was just wondering if you have a preference that you really enjoy one more than the other. Not that you'd turn down either one, yes. I'm not saying that, but yeah. if you had your druthers, where would you spend more time? You know, that's the same pause that I think I had when you asked me that the first time. <laughs> I cut time. that pause out. I'll cut uh, okay. this one out, too. Yeah, no more pauses on the answer. Well, if, if you, I mean, you may not have an answer. Maybe well, you enjoy you know, both equally. Uh, you know, there's different factors. There's the script. There's the characters, there's mm -hmm. the, the, the directors, you know, in both cases. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely in the theater. The theater itself, uh, there's more money generally in television and film. Sure. Though not as much as uh, a certain level that people may uh, assume. Um, I'll tell you, the uh, we did the show, the first preview of the show that we're doing, Antipodes, Road Less Traveled. Uh, which was uh, now we're the here it is the uh, Friday the morning after opening, 
on th- on Wednesday night when we did the play, I was so happy. I, f- I was so gratified after I finally f- felt like I had it, like I got it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was a freedom to it that there hadn't been before and discovering things night to night, as it will continue to be, especially with this cast. And and then we opened last night, and I felt about 80% of that last night. Really? So It's funny because you can't, it's almost like you can't uh, duplicate that, that moment when you're yeah. on stage and all of a sudden everything's clicking. Yeah. And everything that you had worked on and everything that you had felt, suddenly, oh, that felt just right. And then the next night you sort of try to duplicate it, and no, nobody in the audience could tell, but yes. it's a feeling within yourself. Yes. And you try to duplicate it, and the more you try to duplicate it, it's just not there. Yeah. It, 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 I, I, I try. I, and I wonder if it's just that revelation of that moment. I know, we should both talk about this. Uh, be curious to hear what you have to say. I, you know, I, I don't... I don't so much anymore try to duplicate what I'll do from night to night. I'll tell you that, uh, you know, I've been walking either around, uh, because they've got me a house in a beautiful place, uh, North Buffalo. So I've either been walking around, uh, you know, up uh, Chapin and Lincoln to around the lake Mm -hmm. at Delaware Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is where I began memorizing my lines. That's how I work on my lines as well. I'm walking. And then even closer is the entrance to uh, Forest Lawn Cemetery. So I think I've walked in the cemetery more than, um, and there's, which is just a lovely place. And there are people running there and there's people walking. And, it is a beautiful place. And so, and the circuit, uh, you know, to go around the, the outer edge, the perimeter of the, of the, uh, of the cemetery, it takes me an hour. And uh, so... Yeah, so I've been walking every morning, and now I have the I have the part in my head, so I know all, all the lines in my head at this point. I don't need to carry the paper with me, and I just go over the mm-hmm. line for line. Yep. And yesterday morning, I was discovering things based on my excitement and this little un- unlocking that had happened at the first preview. And we only had twenty five people here, um, so it wasn't it wasn't about the adrenaline or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just like a certain freedom that you know. All of a sudden, you know, and uh, and I went I went th- over through the play. I actually walked a little longer because it took me. I was going over the lines in such a way and discovering things that were going off like little little bursts in my in my brain uh, about I- ideas and you know just like meanings of of, of, of words and of sentences and mm-hmm. relationships and um, and I actually walked longer because I didn't get through the whole play. Uh, you know, walking around uh, out, uh, the loop one time, and I thought, oh, okay, and this is getting better. It's just getting richer, whatever. And I've been laying here on the. Uh, I start out anyway, laying on the floor behind the the flat here, and just relaxing and stretching and stuff. And and I thought, okay, I'm ready. There are 20 people out there, at least that I know. I'm going to be receiving this award from Scott at the end of the show mm-hmm. these are the things I thought of in the cemetery that I will say uh, that's done okay I'm gonna give the curtains part of the curtain speech <laughs> afterwards to raise money for there's my mom out there but that's all okay because I've breathed and I've prepared and I'm very relaxed which was the th- you know and then the lights went up and it was just different than it was the night before you know isn't that something I find it's different 
even during a rehearsal process, you, you do, like you do the director's run, and excuse me, it, uh, the designer run. Yes, yes. And and the director brings in some of the designers, and I find that even then, my performance changes in that somebody's watching now, and I'm tr d desperate to be as real as I can. And certain things that didn't feel right before, I find a way to make them feel right. And it's a, it's a discovery process. And, I, and, and again, that's why there's something about stage work, it, it, you know, the, that process of discovery, that f it feels like it's, not, it's, never, it's never a part of film or TV work. Am yeah. I wrong about that? Do, do you never get that discovery because you have a couple of rehearsals with the person that you're going to do the scene with? Yes. And then it's, okay, camera's on now. Okay, here's the two shot now. Okay, here's your close-up now. And now it's done. Let's move on. Yeah, no, it will, I, I have, you know, I have to say that it's a similar feeling it, when, when you have a role to play, when you have more than, uh, you know, more than several lines and when you're, you can be, it's, it's the same as doing a designer run in a certain sense, you know, you've been working on the lines at your home or whatever, you're going over them in the car, mm -hmm. uh, you've, you know, you've you've been in hopefully to, to have your wardrobe done, and you've been thinking about it. You're preparing as best you can, as best as anybody can. And when it works on film, it's the same feeling. It's, it's the same you, feeling. Yeah. The difference for me is that you didn't have a, a four week run up to it. That's right. You know, and and that's why the the theater work suddenly feels like. And you, plus, you've got the camaraderie of all of seven of you, or whatever there were in this cast, yeah. of all of you having been in this, <laughs> birthing this baby together, yes. and and uh, the camaraderie that's built there. And it's at the end of a four-week process, or five weeks, or even yeah. two or three weeks. Whereas in film, it's more like a day or so of rehearsal and and such. Yeah, yeah, N not even rehearsal, but but you know when you when you. You know it, you know. I, I mentioned, when it hits, it hits, and it feels I, the I same way. I mentioned to you uh, when we talked before about, you know, when my wife and I are putting, uh, uh, we're putting me on tape for auditions, and we do that at our home now in the Catskills, uh, I'd say m at least half, more than half of the uh, auditions I, I have, I, I'm put, they've asked me to put myself on tape, mm -hmm. and uh, which is great because I don't have to drive all the way, you know, two and a half hours to New York. And you just do them on an iPhone, or to make so. You, yeah, you know. I do it on my uh, my Samsung Note, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we do it in one of the bedrooms. And my wife is an actress, and she's a wonderful actress, and she uh, so she you know so I've got somebody who who really you can play off of. Yeah, that's great. And she you know she does it. She just does it in a very nice way. And, and she gives you notes, I'm sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> she does. Sean, you're not going to say it that way, are you, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pacino again? But uh, is he going to yawn like that? I just yawn like that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, you do the I do that, the and, then, and then we do it, uh, you know, we, as I, I've said to you before, we do it, as, you know, we light the, just the one wall and, and uh, uh, put me in there, and, and we'll do it as many times as until it feels right, and you know when it feels right even then. I may mm -hmm. have gotten the lines just the night before, uh, you know, you, and then you see it. You know, because you're, of course you're reviewing it before, and you're taking, you're deleting what you're, the, the takes you're not going to use. It's, it's a similar, you know, just in terms of the feeling of it, the satisfaction of it, you know. I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, the, the other night, Wednesday night, uh, I wouldn't say that 
like the, my best tapes for auditions match the feeling. And again, we're only talking about feelings, the feeling of satisfaction and, you know, somewhat accomplishment that, that, that you can feel here on stage as I did the other night. You know? and, and you know what? Now that I think about it, Dan was here the other night. He asked, uh, have things changed? Is there a, because there's a lot more content now with all the streaming services yes. and there's a lot more uh, uh, need for content and has that you can answer that question now yeah. has, has that changed has that uh, uh, given you more opportunities because there's so much more yeah content I, necessary? I, I, I would say that uh, last year was one of my best years for uh, for auditions for for tapes and uh, but you know it was also like one of the driest years I've had in some time mm -hmm. so uh, but there's definitely more content, and and scripts are really good, as as people are saying, and uh, and and it's a puzzlement uh, oftentimes when you'll send, uh, uh, you, you know, what you consider it's just a lot of competition, man, oh, yeah. and there's no shortage of competition for white men in their fifties, early sixties. You know, there's mm -hmm. no shortage. But but to give you some idea of when when I auditioned for Paterno. I went into Bernie Telsey's. Was it Bernie? No, it was uh, Ellen Chenoweth, and uh, and then they wanted to see me again, and I couldn't because I was in a play. So I asked if I could put myself on tape for the callback. Mm -hmm. uh, Ellen had already cast me in Michael Clayton, and she knew my work. And uh, so Tess and I. Oh, I was doing a film. Uh, I was doing a, another film up uh, near where we live in the Catskills. And uh, so again, I had very little time because I'm doing the film, and uh, and I had a, a really lovely part in that film, unintended. So, so you asked if you could just simply record something, yeah, send it off to them. So we, Tess and I did that, and I really, really, really liked what I did. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I got the part. That's great. And then when the f and then when the show came out, I actually liked what I did better on the audition tape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally. Yeah. Uh, and then, too, the, the summer before last, I was in the Berkshires at the Berkshire Theater Festival uh, doing a Robert Sherwood play. So I remember uh, that, that summer I did, uh, and I put myself, my friend Joey Collins, uh, who I shared the dressing with, put me on tape from Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. uh, that you're uh, now in uh, regularly. Yeah, that I did ended up doing two episodes on mm -hmm. in this season that's uh, still uh, the most recent season, season two. Mm -hmm. And then I also put myself on tape. It was a very short thing. It was for a film. It was to play an inventor. I think he was Italian. And and you didn't call me. I, <laughs> had I only known you then, well, <laughs> I could have called Jay and said, Jay, do you know any Italian inventor types? <laughs> but you weren't casting. You were looking to be cast. I was looking to be cast. Yeah. And, and I liked what I did for the Mindhunter audition. But I loved what I did for the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I was really, and I did it myself, too. I set myself, I put, like, the, the camera, like, on a couch pillow, you know, because I, and I, hit, and, I, and it was just, it was really, it was a, it was more of a character role, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, and I showed it to some people in the cast, and, because I was proud of it, you know? Yeah. And... I didn't hear word one about it, <laughs> uh, oh, you know, and, I, and yeah, and you know, and everybody who I showed, you know, it was it was agreed that it was pretty good, and uh, but I was happy to take the the gig on Mindhunter, and I really enjoyed filming it, and I felt pretty good about uh, about the result of that. Yes. Yeah.
Mindhunter on Netflix. That's a great show. You can uh, binge that if you like. So that's the end of part one. Did you notice the airplane I left in there? There was a prop plane or something buzzing the theater right at the about the 40, 42 minute mark of the interview. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed part one enough to say, oh, boy, I can't wait till we hear part two in which he talks about the American National Theater and, and stuff of that nature. Uh, again, great interview, great time with Sean Cullen. And I got to do the interview the day after I saw opening night of the Antipodes, which just amused the hell out of me. I really enjoyed the show. It was a lot of fun. The, the characters in that show are crazy, and the actors are brilliant. It's a great show. I really enjoyed it. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, I strongly suggest you get out there. I think it closes in February, February 9th, I believe. Call for tickets for the Antipodes and uh, thank me later. And this coming Monday, we're releasing a bonus podcast of Part 2 with Sean Cullen. We spent some time talking about his proposal after 9-11 for an American national theater to be located at Ground Zero. It's a, it's a great story, a fascinating story about uh, an idea he had and where it stands today. And by the way, I'm not blaming my MacBook for the massive screw-up in recording the previous live interview. It was entirely my fault. Maybe I'll tell you about it later if you care. Maybe I'll tell you about it next podcast. Either way, it's done now. It's, it actually allowed me to ask more questions of Sean and get more information that I hadn't heard before. So in a way, I guess it was a blessing in disguise. Thanks for listening. This is Pete Pomisano on Off-Road from Road Less Traveled Productions. Mm-hmm.